This one's called Can't Stop These Fangs. And I, I don't think we're referring to uh, animals, right? Nope. No, a different, a different entity altogether. So I'll elaborate. Fangs, it's an acronym. Stands for Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. Oh, those fangs. I know those, those fangs. Yes. I'm familiar with those fangs. Right. So, world-famous companies, five of the biggest companies on the planet. There's something, there's a unique characteristic about those companies. Um, tell, that, that's, tell me. That, that's worthwhile mentioning off, off the bat. Um, they are all US-based companies. Yes. Great observation. There you go. Now, we are in a pandemic, if you haven't realised, and uh, the stock market has reacted to the pandemic in a extremely unusual and odd way. Now, some I've had a look. Some would argue, predictable sort of way, to to some extent. Predictable, maybe. Hmm. I'd, I'd say predictable to some extent. But let's talk about some of the actual numbers, because we say predictable, but if anyone had a crystal ball for this year and were able to predict the type of numbers we're going to talk about, um, you know, that person's clearly a very, very, very happy person. So, <laughs> or, or has or has fang shares. Well, <laughs> one one on the other. I did say crystal ball because if you had a crystal ball, um, well, I'm judging everybody by my, uh, by myself. But if I had a crystal ball, I would certainly take advantage of, uh, of the stock market. But anyway, that's just me. So looking at the Standard and Poor's. S&P 500. Uh, for those who don't know, that is the index of the biggest 500 American companies. It's and it, is it borderline comparable to the uh, FTSE 100? FTSE 100. I said borderline, borderline comparable to the FTSE 100. I will reserve comment. With regards to FTSE 100. Okay. I'm not even going to say anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to say anything. But anyway. S&P 500. Biggest 500 American companies. Uh, it contains some of the most well-known brands across the planet. Now, on the 23rd of March 2020. We hit what many have called the market bottom. Which is when... 
the pandemic took place was the lowest point slash price that the S&P 500 dropped to at the height of the pandemic. So there was lots of selling. I'm sure lots of people who decided to sell lost a lot of money uh, during that period because of the panic selling that was taking place. But since the 23rd of March, the S&P 500 has grown by 60%. So that's nearly six months ago. And today being the 2nd of September 2020, it's nearly six months ago. And the S&P 500 has gained 60%. That is, that is that is not that is not an insignificant insignificant amount, is it? That's uh, phenomenal. Number. It's mind boggling, considering the size, the mammoth size of some of the companies, or collectively in that index. It's mind boggling to think that they can actually even think of growing by more than fifty percent. In six months, yeah, I think that that that's that's looking at the value uh, uh, as a whole across you know the five hundred companies. I think the even yeah. the more remarkable um, aspect of that is what or who or which collection of companies you know principally attributes that sixty percent. Gained. Well, well, this is it. So, this is why it's very odd because many people listening to this may know that the SP 500 has returned over the last couple of decades an average of 8% growth per year. Um, so, to think that in six months, that same index has grown by 60%. It's mind-boggling. Um, and you need to consider that 60% is an average across <laughs> those 500 companies. Like, it's mind-boggling. It is. Mind-boggling. Uh, but what's really odd is though these fangs have contributed the majority of the growth that makes up that 60%. Mm. So I'm going to start with Facebook. How much do you think Facebook has grown since the 23rd of March, Stephen? How much do I think Facebook's grown? Uh, in, in, in like, like stock return or like market value? Market capitalization. Uh, I, I think, I think Facebook, I don't know. Um, probably I don't know you know uh, as a as a percentage yeah let's let's go out with well if we're working with a 60 percent uh, 500 company average for the for the for the whole index um, I would go with 40 percent 110 percent. 
uh, with a current market cap at 8.30 on the 2nd of September 2020, which is today, of 863.7 billion. So a little bit more than my projection then. Well, nearly three times more. That is that is up that is obscene. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's Facebook, and uh, Facebook needs no introduction. So I think we'll stop with Facebook right there. Well, like as a as a as a as a social social network, I think you know you need to think about how it compares to its biggest rivals as well i mean even not necessarily in terms of monetary value because that's that's a different set of comparisons but just in terms of like users i don't know if you've actually seen that that breakdown so it's interesting to know what's actually driving that that increase in the value so it's not not to say that Facebook has all of a sudden had a massive, you know, massive user, active user boost during the period. Although it, it, it may have to some extent where people have more time and, you know, they've relented and given up and actually uh, joined Facebook to connect with people. And because, you know, a lot of events and gatherings and whatnot were hosted via Facebook. Uh, some people going into the pandemic actually, you know, walk, walked away from Facebook. Um, I'm not going to mention any names. Um, so I think in terms of like their market share, they, as a social network, they, they were the most dominant anyway, in terms of active users. So you had, I think north of. 2.6 2.6 billion active users or something like that. Yeah. Um, and in, in a sort of bizarre sense, like Facebook Messenger <laughs> is, I think, regarded as a separate a separate entity in, in of itself with about 1.3 billion active users. Yeah. Um, and then everything else sort of follows. I think like YouTube and WhatsApp are the next sort of like highest in terms of, you know, uh, worldwide network active user. They're, they're both around the 2 billion user mark. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the rest sort of follows. WeChat uh, from, a, from a Chinese point of view. Um, Around one point two billion, I think, active users. Yeah. Instagram, who 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 is owned by who now? Facebook. Right. At, at around one one billion active users, and immediately after those easily identifiable names, maybe not WeChat so much for people here, being that it's the the uh, predominant Chinese Chinese, Chinese platform. Um, is TikTok, <laughs> you know, with circa 800 million active users. Now, yeah. those of you who've uh, been listening to the previous podcast will 
know that we uh, spoke about TikTok not so long ago in the uh, the new Cold War uh, and the US's insistence on ownership of TikTok for in order for them to actually continue to operate and that that 800 million you know user in terms of its position in social network usage you can see why they would they would like that but i think if you combined all of the <laughs> us you know in terms of looking at the actual ranking like the top 20 uh, most most used social networks I think if you looked at US-based companies, that that probably accounts for, it's very Pareto in terms of that 80-20 <laughs> sort of split, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, is, which is quite insane. But I think these, these figures aren't like, they, they don't represent obviously just the the global population split and that you know people use these things singularly so you know there there is obviously a lot of that overlap so between facebook youtube whatsapp instagram tiktok you know an individual could have all of these so your your active user count although it's an individual person counts against all of them so it's a bit trickier to sort of say you know adding adding all of them up who has the biggest share out of the top 20 but it's still pretty easy to see the us's uh dominance up until tiktok well every single investment book i read over the years has pretty much said that share price growth follows earnings per share growth um uh but what i think i'm seeing right now is there is not a correlation between share price and earnings per share or even revenue at this point. And we're going to talk more about what other factors other than services and products may be driving these obscene share price gains. Yeah. Right, so that's Facebook. So the next one is a company that I've certainly used a lot, particularly during the lockdown. And as per my account with them, uh, others are available. Um, <laughs> I've been with them since 2006, my um, my account tells me. Okay. Um, I... The owner mm-hmm. or majority... Sh- shareholder and founder of said company has now been named as the man uh, the man uh, the world's first or more specifically america's first person to be worth over 200 billion dollars his name is jeff bezos his company's name is called amazon yes um Amazon is indeed a behemoth that has benefited quite very spectacularly through the pandemic. And this feeds into part of 
the point I was making about uh, the expected sort of growth with with certain companies. So for me, it's a relatively logical leap to understand that with a lockdown and closing of you know high streets, shopping centers, etc., where people would you know go to buy all of the usual things they would buy even though there was the restriction of the free freedoms of, of movement uh, in terms of what you're able to go out and do it, it felt to me like there was going to be a logical leap to needing to acquire either new things to entertain yourself to yeah. enable uh, working from home uh, to replace and replenish uh, stocks of things. Uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, went on sort of either a lot of home improvement DIY projects. People took up new hobbies, craft-related, tech-related. Um, so if, if all of the shops are closed... What's the predominant, like you know, what's the pro- predominant platform that allows you to actually buy and still have delivered securely um, and safely delivered the usual goods that you would consume? That would be Amazon. Uh, that would be Amazon, uh, and that's what has driven a share price gain of 86% since the 23rd of March. Um, Amazon is now worth, as of 8.30 today, the 2nd of September, 1.76 trillion US dollars. 1.76 trillion. 1.76 trillion US dollars. Yes. Okay. You know, earlier in the conversation, I I, I mentioned uh, the FTSE 100. <laughs> Don't stop. Yeah, I mean, as a I as a as a as a an, an amazing coincidence, the the total value of all of the companies comprising the FTSE 100 equates to approximately 1.5 trillion so when you so so now when you, you know when you remember you uh, compared the FTSE 100 to the S&P 500 I said I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna comment that's why <laughs> but, I mean you can't even call that a golf um, I, I don't know how what word and you've got a much wider vocabulary than me that you would use to describe the gap and it's not even a gap they're 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 not they're they're not in the same i don't know universe i don't know how to even describe that yeah um no i I think that is uh no that, that that is fair um uh i i Obviously, wasn't referring to it to say it's a direct comparison in terms of you know this 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 ship is the same size of as the other ship. It was just 
more a reference to the 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 indices that would that are comparable almost yes. kind of as opposed to right. the actual yes. scale of it um, oh yeah i i know I, i'm just saying that still, <laughs> i still think it's not right yeah you can't say oh the s&p 500 is similar to the, to the FTSE. no um <laughs> this is a list of companies uh they're not the same because one is actually a list of companies that actually make real money the other one is just a list of companies that make money from time to time but anyway <laughs> i have no biases okay i mean the 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 the, the thirty one hundred is is largely comprised of sort of you know old old school companies. Um, it's not very you know tech tech laden, and by not very, I mean it is not <laughs> tech laden uh, at all. Really, I think there are probably three or four predominant sort of tech tech companies listed in the the FTSE 100 name and, them because I can't even think who they'd be and and some so of, name them. and some of those and some of those are are a stretch <laughs> of uh of, of the imagination um I, I can't name them off the top of my head but I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure that there are some sort of cursory mentions uh small timers well it, it depends on how you how you, how do you mean small uh, from from a UK perspective, maybe not. <laughs> from a from a Fang perspective, I'm pretty sure you know the majority of companies in the world are, are all going to be plankton. So, mm. Mm. yeah, we need to have a further discussion on that because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, on that note, I'm just going to say it now. So I looked at a couple of charts. A, a couple of weeks ago, just just for fun, no particular reason, and uh, I looked at the FTSE 100 um, chart from the last couple of years, and I looked at it against um, the the CAC, just a French mm-hmm. uh, index, and looked and compared that with the DAX, <laughs> and uh, you would then just very clearly see on just one chart just looking at maybe the last five to ten years that the FTSE 100 seems to be a poor performer let's just use that word as an index um, i think the, the the best the best movement the FTSE 100 had was um either recovery from the 2008-9 financial crisis I think when it came back the the movement was pretty decent then but you know not not 186 <laughs> percent level level decent or uh 60 percent uh overall growth of the for 100 as the uh SMP 500. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's the last of uh, last time I'm going to mention the FTSE 100 in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can sense I can sense it's affecting your <laughs> your your mood here. It's just a depressing index. I mean, when you look at it, 
you know, considering we're in 2020 and we're in, we're in the UK, you know, we are innovative, you know, uh, make Britain great, you know, all these rhetoric. And then you, you look at the FTSE 100 and it's like BP, Tesco. It's just like, guys, 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 like ExxonMobil just got dropped. <laughs> like, you know, their oil companies being dropped out of major indices yeah. in, in the States and our index is still fronted up by oil companies. Really? Anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, There's another company, and everyone knows this company, of course. Wow. It's another one. It's a big American company. That's, are we, we, we finished with Amazon? Oh. Did, did, um, did, we, did we say what we wanted to say about Amazon? Uh, I think you covered most of it. It's a bit, I mean, all I, all I, all I'll add on Amazon is that the same books I was talking about earlier about investment also <laughs> told me that if you want to make a lot of money in, 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 in stocks, um, you tend to focus on smaller caps for, for capital growth and you tend to focus on larger cap. So companies that are worth more than uh, $10 billion, uh, you tend to focus on those more for um, regular income via dividends but you shouldn't expect large uh, percentage growth stats within a year be- just because of how big they are. So for that main reason, personally, I've always stayed away from large cap stocks because they're not going to grow as quick. But actually, I'll, I'll just be honest with you, looking at the performance of all of these fangs over the last six months, that's probably the biggest mistake anyone who is interested or participates in the stock market could have made to not have at least one of those fangs in their portfolio because well these numbers are ridiculous yeah uh, i think i think it's an interesting one to sort of say it's a it's a mistake so i think it depends it all comes down to the the, the type of game you're you're playing in terms of in investment and that 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 risk analysis so it, it it comes down to the studying the trends so the the excitement and the vigor pertains to a six month period where we've seen uh, phenomenal performance that was fueled by an unfortunate not if you're one of the fans unfortunate global uh situation but a, a typically over a period of time in terms of your strategies I don't think it would it would have been been wrong I think you would have lucked out if you did uh, invest in, well, a, in, in at least one of them um, but I think if you'd study like Amazon's growth growth pattern uh, from let's say even 2000 i mean they they started in 1994 or something right um yeah but if you studied it from 2000 i think my account my account with amazon probably opened in 99 or something like that i can't remember um yeah so 
So, you know, even tracking back from 2000 to now, you 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 won't have seen any significant decline. If you look at the, the, the longer trend, it, it's always pointing sort of up, upwards. Um, so that that just comes down to the, 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 the pricing and the capital you'd have available in terms of the actual investment. So with, with that great value, that comes a great a great price for the for per share. So in terms of your investment, it it's it's would seem riskier because it per share there's a much more sizable, you know, capital investment re- required that naturally carries greater risk. So if something did go wrong, the contraction would yeah. would the contraction would hurt you quite significantly which is yes which is which is which is the predominant which is the predominant thing to sort of remember with a lot of the uh sort of tech stocks well yeah you're you're 100 right prices retrace yeah and what goes up can come down yes definitely you're 100 right to say that but the interesting thing about these fangs and why it's so attractive and why many people are still looking for buy opportunities, even though the price has gone parabolic for most of these things is the simple fact that because they are so big Mm. and because all of them are so cash positive, ridiculously cash positive, the fact that they ain't going broke anytime soon, there's there's an argument which says that these things are still hedges against other riskier investments, right? And the fact that, from my point of view, even though the price gains for these stocks are ridiculous at the moment, but there's still an argument to say that a lot of these have still got massive growth potential, which is extremely odd for companies of this size. Hmm. Like... They created a new category of market capitalization for these tech stocks because it used to just be small, medium, and large. And then it got to over 100 billion, and they start calling them mega caps. Yeah. Well, what do you call something that's over a trillion now? They've <laughs> got to come up with a, a new category for it. And these trillion cap stocks still have growth potential, which is scary. Oh, for sure. So Amazon's growth projection um, doesn't actually sh- show any any decline or, or retraction for an extended period of time. I mean, I think they've overtaken Walmart as, as the, 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 the biggest uh, biggest commerce um, yeah. company. And, you know, the the question is always as well around that is always what is what is the threat to these companies in terms of competition because <laughs> be, be, believe it or not they <clears throat> excuse me they they do have uh, competitors you know um, whether whether you you believe they they do or not from around the world so uh, Walmart obviously still being American. Um, Yes, they've overtaken them some time ago, but as a competitor, they are 
still relatively relatively close i.e they're playing in the same league that resides in the same galaxy at, at the very least yeah um, definitely <clears throat> but then you have you have the other side of the world so you have uh alibaba for example so which is the chinese-based online retailer um yeah. that specializes in uh wholesale um selling um as a you know as the dominant the dominant uh e-commerce re- you know online retailer in in china which isn't a small market um nope. as well i mean there aren't going to be <laughs> very many other significant competitors after that um I mean, we have the European online retailer, Otto, uh, if you've ever encountered them. Um, But their revenue pales by comparison. I mean, it's it's less than 4 billion or around 4 billion uh, like that. But then you have... What, what, as a market cap? No, as as revenue. Uh, well, well, I mean, four billion is good. Yeah, four billion in revenue uh, from online sales. For, uh, what, in a year or in a quarter? Um, that's that's in that's in a year. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah. <laughs> as I said, it's 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 right. Thimble of water against a raging forest fire. It, 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 yeah, it, yeah. It's not the same thing. But then you have uh, the Japanese. Uh, company, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Rakuten. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Um, they've they've been around for uh, a while, but they like they 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 generate like two point three trillion uh, per year in a uh, e commerce like retail e commerce sales. So you know they're they're quite a large com- competitor, quite from Japan, but they do actually have other operations around the world. So I don't know if you ever remembered um, Play.com? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, Amazon and Play in terms of your DVD and music and and CD sort of purchase options, uh, I I think you'd sort of bounced between Amazon on and play because one would usually have the same thing cheaper than the other. Um, so once upon a time, I did have two accounts, but then you know eventually that that dis- disappeared and the play.com moniker vanished and you know was just going by Rec- Rakuten um, for a period of time. But you know, so there are there are competitors out there. But I, I read an article that sort of tried to give an, an, an indication of the, the scale of the significance of Amazon as an as a online retailer. So the article that I read stated that there was, not that it's actually tracked, but they, they, they generated a figure of close to 24 million e-commerce companies in the world 
that exist. 24 million. Okay, so, but there's just one Amazon. So, yeah. like, <laughs> it is, it is, it is insane what what Amazon has achieved as a singular company in the e commerce sphere, which is effectively sort of open, um, and and equal opportunity enough, subject to a winning business model and a and a CEO who has phenomenal drive to sort of expand it. So, well, well, if you think about it, so if you look at Facebook, Facebook wasn't the first social network. No. However, it was one of the first to create a model of social networking, which covered all areas of your life. So it wasn't specific to a niche or it wasn't specifically about music it was the first general sort of directory of people that you didn't have to pay for which everyone could access and attempted to deliberately link everybody together yeah now so what i'm trying to sell facebook as as it had in many ways some of the advantages of being the first mover Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got Amazon, which I refer to as the original e-commerce company. Um, I can't think of many other companies that even come to mind that I can remember, you know, from, you know, the 2000s as being a company where you could just buy stuff online. Like I, I'm struggling to think because I was aware of Amazon during that time. Uh, I, I won't say that I, I had used them at that time, but I was aware that mm. there was a website called Amazon where you can just buy stuff. Well, well, that's in, that's interesting. Um, so, subject to your memory and experience of it, you you couldn't just buy stuff. I think what you were buying predominantly were were books as well for for quite a large yeah. uh, period period of time. Um, I think they're, they're, the masterstroke of the, the mindset and the mission of the company was their, their, their specialty was not specializing. Yeah. Right? So not specializing in that you are open to selling everything. <laughs> so you weren't just a book you know, e-seller. You weren't just a clo clothing e-seller. Um, they they were open to selling everything. And then I think yeah. once once that that model sort of shifted, and just the the strategy for you know warehousing management and and uh, shipping sort of really got concreted in. Then yeah, the sky was quite very clearly then the limit. Yeah. Well, the story of Amazon. The story of Amazon.
So the next company is a fruit. <laughs> I'm only joking. Um, Apple. World famous. Yeah. Clearly one of the most visible and most desirable brands on the planet. Needs no introduction. I'm just going to simply ask you, Stephen. What do you think the share price growth has been since the 23rd of March for Apple? As a percentage. Apple as a percentage. Uh, I think it's grown more than Facebook has. What did we say Facebook was? hundred and... 110%. Let's Let's go with... Let's go with 150%. Very close. 140%. Ooh, okay. Since 23rd of March. That is... <laughs> hmm. Yeah. How do you even comprehend that? You, you don't, really. Um... <laughs> I think you, you, yeah, semi, semi lost for words with, with that one. Uh... So in the last, last couple of weeks, they have been recognized as the first US company to be worth more than 2 trillion US dollars. Their total market capitalization as of 8.30 today, the 2nd of September, is 2.24 trillion US dollars. 2.24, just in case you didn't hear me the first time. <laughs> 2.24 trillion. At, at some point, we needed to do some statistical comparisons to different countries' uh, GDP. Oh yeah, uh, I've started doing that. <laughs> just, just, just to, just to see how, how, how to to, to quote uh, an an enemy scaling reference. Just to see how OP Apple is, uh, overpowered. For those who yeah. don't follow enemy, uh, they are, but. Yeah, that that is that is pretty phenomenal. Um, did I did I read correctly recently that for the first time they Apple are going are actually going to split their shares? Yeah, so I think they've already so done I, it. So yeah, five I, I think it's four. Did I read? Yeah, four. So you get four new shares to every one. Old share, and I know they were pre- previously reluctant to do it, as some other companies have done before in the past. Like Microsoft was reluctant for a period of time, but Microsoft did it along along the way. But Apple had resisted up until recently. So the idea is so- to make it more attractive and to to make you know, to create better opportunities for people to gain gain access. That that in in of itself is only going to continue to drive that value because there would be that that you know natural interest. 
Yeah. I mean, I just don't know what more to really say about Apple. I mean, I said it over the years, obviously, prior to starting this, 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 this podcast. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Just don't know what else to say. It's just, yeah, just crazy. Um, I'm hearing that they're getting ready to produce, I think, 75 million new iPhones for this winter, um, which will be the new 5G iPhone, which is something I've read recently, which will be coming out. And, you know, that's quite a bullish sign for them to be thinking that they will be able to produce and sell 75 million iPhones. So the, the production know. in of itself is going to be uh, quite, quite the, the challenge. And I think mm. obviously, you know, 5G in this instance will not be sponsored by Huawei. Um, <laughs> but no, that, that, that is that is interesting. Uh, Apple is going to go through uh, a, a bit of a rena- renaissance over the next few years, um, principally because of their um, change in silicon options. So, ig- ignoring the uh, iPhones, which which they've used their 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 own chips for for a period of time. They're considering the the rest of the iPad and Mac um, devices that they actually have, so currently Intel powered, and I think the the Mac Pro, the latest Mac Pro that was released this year, is going to, I think going to be the last uh, Mac Pro with an Intel chip uh, inside. So they've been dutifully working at producing their own chips and I think early benchmark tests uh, indicate that the performance of the first generation chips uh, currently, so not in, they're not into actual production yet for it, but the pre- preliminary results seem uh, comparable to the Intel performance. So... As a as an entry level, you know, the customers would expect to see at least the same performance from Apple's chip. So that's a significant change, and when it does that, then its value um, will increase. The, its revenue will will go up because obviously all of their that that significant component um, cost goes down quite a quite a considerable amount so that's going to have quite a, a significant impact and then i think aside from that they are effectively closing the closing the loop on on the app store um and they're changing their their model for the companies who wish to have apps in in the store so everything is going to be tightened. So you will only be able to access anything from Apple's ecosystem from Apple's ecosystem. So they will entirely be in control of everything. Now the pricing model, um, in terms of companies, you know, uh, wanting their apps 
available in the App Store, I think they've they're going to change that and not in a favorable way to the companies wishing to have their apps in the App Store. How how less how how less favorable can they make it considering that they take thirty percent commission for any you would you would think they wouldn't be able to, but uh, they, they they will, they will, um, especially especially as there will be the absence of choice in the matter. So, um, but Android. When I say choice, in terms of the ecosystem, so you'll have a okay, collection of people that are that are so 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 embedded, you know into the apple ecosystem that leaving is 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 the same as you know switching off life support um (laughs) so but yeah anyway so apple so for for apple again in terms of uh investing if i was if i was going to hedge my bets on on two out of the you know in on out on any of the uh, three fangs that we've gone through so far it would be on Apple and Amazon for sure. Wow. I mean, we've still got two others out of the fangs and two bonus uh, stocks that uh, I'd like to talk to you about before you finalise your decision on that one because I've got some, some other very juicy names to come up. Oh, we have, we have, we have bonus rounds. Good. Oh, I like, yes, yeah. yeah. I, like, I, like, bonus. I like bonus rounds. Good, good, good. All right. So, Netflix. This one seems like a bit of a no-brainer in terms of why one would speculate why the price has uh, increased during the lockdown, considering that a lot of people are at home with more time in their hands to watch TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this one's a bit of a no-brainer. But, interestingly enough... Considering the numbers that we've spoken about previously, um, it doesn't correlate logically to where you think it would be. So, no. Stephen, what do you think the growth since the 23rd of March is for Netflix? Uh I, I I genuinely don't know. Um, I will... So this Netflix is playing in a slightly different uh, arena to Apple and, and Amazon. So I, I imagine it being slightly more competitive, the arena that, that it's actually playing in. So, I will go with a hundred percent. I don't know. I've I've been I've been wrong pretty much on everyone so far. So <laughs> put, 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 put me out of my misery with this one. Fifty-five percent growth since twenty-third of March, which is still phenomenal growth for size of Netflix's company in that time frame. That's still ridiculous growth. Of course. Yeah. Of course, I think we we have to bear in mind that the the, the percentages we've otherwise quoted started with a hundred and 
<laughs> so <laughs> just to, when we're talking about that actual increase in in in, in value right so 50 55% is not a small no not a small gain well considering the fact that that 55% has ballooned the market cap to 243 billion <laughs> i mean that's where you are you know yeah i think i think that's probably uh, jeff bezos's uh, next next personal net worth target is he he wants <laughs> to be worth as much as netflix is <laughs> um not, not not even his company um no but netflix is as i said it's playing in a slightly different uh market still phenomenal growth and uptake and yes again through the pan you know through the pandemic people People spoke about it on Facebook. They bought their new TVs, uh, games, consoles, uh, you know, different different media and entertainment devices from from yeah. Amazon. They they updated their Apple ecosystem, Apple TV, uh, everything else, um, and then with their new TV and you know. Uh, Dolby Atmos surround sound system that they got on Amazon, they then upgraded to the Netflix premium subscription to watch all that 4K content. Um, But, you know, the, the, the next biggest competitor is, you know, Prime Video, which is <laughs> part of part of part of which company? Amazon. Uh, the other the other thing. So it it's be it's behind, but as a as a split, it's not massively behind. But as a competitor, it is actually pretty pretty strong. Um, there are obviously other, you know, infod services available um yeah and i think an interesting one that you know a potential disruptor actually launched during the the pandemic and yeah. that is uh disney plus disney plus yeah disney plus so yeah yeah i've got a bit of a love hate relationship with um video and music streaming services in many ways. Um, because one of the biggest issues with streaming services is once, once you have lots of content to search for, the issue then becomes what to actually watch. Mm. Um, and what you tend to find is, well, you end up basically having to subscribe to everything because you can't get everything on one. So I've started to read articles and hear rumours about someone trying to come up with a sort of bundle which will enable you to have most of them or all of these streaming services for a slightly lesser price because the reality is is at one point you might need to have all of them just to test how they all are like so for example i have netflix others are available but i have netflix um it is probably 
the go-to uh, app if I want to sit there and watch TV to just check to see what's new out or what's worth watching. Yeah. Right. But I don't spend a lot of time on Netflix. Yeah. But it's just a convenience of having it, and if I do want to watch something, it's there. Right. And then by the f- by virtue of the fact I have Amazon Prime, I then also have um, Prime Video. Prime Video. Now, I've had a glance at Prime Video and I haven't spent too much time on it, but whenever I've flipped through it, I haven't really seen anything that's jumped out at me over and above what I would see on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I guess the only exceptions to that are maybe their uh, Amazon exclusive content, which I think they produce themselves or, or, or fund to get produced, whichever way around. And then, you know, I've, okay, I've watched. Um, the Grand Tour once or twice because it's the only place you can watch it, right? Um, yeah. But other than that, it's just like okay, well, it's just it's just one of those things. Disney Plus, I have to say, the the exception to the rule here is Disney Plus, mainly because it does provide unique, exclusive content that a even if you're an adult. There might be content that you want to, to watch for a bit of nostalgia to remind you of your childhood. And then you've got a whole new audience, i.e. younger children, who have their own newer, younger titles that they want to watch. Because now, because Disney have their own platform, it pretty much is the only place to, to get it. Um, so, to that one, I'm interested to see how, how, how the performance of the Disney Plus goes once the pandemic dies down just yeah. to see if they're able to maintain and grow um, the uh, usage that they're currently enjoying, mainly because again, sometimes I look at Disney Plus and think, I can see why that's going to work in a pandemic, especially it launching <laughs> at the height <laughs> of the pandemic Yeah, you can see how that's going to do well but how will they grow it afterwards? Because everyone who wants to get it has got it, if that makes sense. So, well, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's interesting. So, I've I've had I've had mixed a mixed sort of view about it because obviously their their ad campaign was pretty uh, consistent. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably one of one of those interesting uses of uh, Thanos's snap. Um, <laughs> You know, in terms of the actual price that you know get get you a fit in the door early, advertised price that they had for it. Um, yeah. But the, the yeah the things that they have so they're they're, they're around five hundred or so movies I think uh, available on yeah. the platform, and a whole host of obviously the the TV shows, um, you know, bolstered by as you said some of the original uh, content that they solely produce in their own studios. Um, so that, that, you know, all in-house model that I was referring to that Apple is slowly transitioning to creating just their complete ecosystem onto themselves and, um, National Geographic, which is an interesting, um, <laughs> selling point that they've included there in terms of their, their content lets you know who actually owns what, um, but you know, for myself, there there are certain movies that I would that I'd want to watch. Now I know the only the only you know option to watch those would be 
via via Disney Plus. And I think I'm I'm feeling some of the point that you raised insofar as like there's no singular thing that gives you everything that you would want to see and would be running the risk of subscribing to multiple platforms just to get that coverage of everything that you want. Now granted that you won't you won't watch the vast majority of what's on any of the platforms that you actually get that that's not the point so that's the job of the advertisers to let the users and general public know you know what the good stuff is that they have you know yeah. what are their unique selling points what are the what are the heavy hitters um that that are that are that are coming um i have a similar experience with prime video as you yeah. have um i have a collection of things on my list or you know of movies and shows that i want to want to watch but there there is actually a lot of good content on prime for me it's a question of usability and an interface and how you interact with it so uh, netflix is a lot um smoother and more intuitive and brings forward what you might be interested in watching a bit better it feels like their ai and their algorithm process processes work better than primes do you know so i think so so some of the content feels a little bit a little bit more hidden um a lot of the original content uh made made for prime is is great um i've watched a few series on there that I've really enjoyed. Um, but again, you know, I don't, I don't look at too many things on there. I do go to Netflix as my default go-to sort of environment. And coincidentally, uh, also YouTube, um, yeah. as, as an, an alternative, um, interesting point about YouTube. They are, I think they are, making their moves to push and encourage users into subscribing to their paid for services, Um, not only with music, but with, you know, videos as well. And I think one of the ways in which they're doing this is by becoming that, that annoying entity. It, it, I don't know if you've watched much American TV, like in America. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it it seems like in a in an hour's program, it seems like there's an advert every eight minutes or so. In on, on like on, in like American TV, so so yeah, it, it feels like YouTube is now subscribing to that same model where it, it feels yeah. like there's an ever increased amount of adverts and not even just singular then they started doubling up on them it's like yeah. advert, advert one of two yeah you know they're, they're doubling pre-rolls yeah they are inserting adverts indiscriminately into content like yeah. where there's no natural break it's just it's cut, just just cut advert 
Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they they, they started doing it, and it and it was like unannounced. So you'd be watching something, and then the screen would flicker, like go black for just like you know a fraction of a second, and then an advert would start. You'd be like, oh, oh, okay, we're showing adverts now. They've at least you know done done you the courtesy now of adding in the little countdown. Ad starts in five, four, three, two, one, uh, on on the screen, so you know that your whatever you're watching is about to be interrupted. Um, well, do you know where the precedent has been set? Yeah. Let me tell you a, a little bit of a seg- segue. Um, it, this has been set by mobile apps, right? Because back in the day, um, and back in the day is only like a couple of years ago. Um, mm. you, you you basically had two apps. Two types of apps. You had a free app, yeah, yeah, and then you had a paid for app, yeah, and then we migrated from free to in-app purchases yeah. to paid for. Right now, you still have free apps that are out there, but now They're because ad-heavy. of the way people want to monetize them, they are. I kind of call them app heavy. So my my my, my daughter now sort of has adopted my phone as her phone. Uh, so the thing that she likes to do is she knows how to do it now. Um, she goes on Google, uh, she goes on the Play Store and downloads uh, like a game. It might be, I don't know, uh, a hair and makeup game, right? Free to download. She'll download it herself, right? And she'll just play it, uh, you know, she'll play around, have a little bit of fun playing with the game. But the problem is every two touches of the screen there's an advert yeah and the thing is they're doing these adverts now where you, you have to guess where the cross is mm. so then if you accidentally press the wrong thing which is basically just touching the screen you are now rooted to another website another app that you have to pay to download yeah yeah and the thing is they've ruined the user experience so much by these perverse obtrusive adverts that Actually, any game that now is free to use is almost well, and, well those types that she's downloaded anyway. There's no point even downloading it because it's just bombarding you with adverts. You can't use the content anymore. Yeah, of course, and and all of that ties in with my my point about YouTube about it's a it's a gentle nudge for you to spend that money and and get the paid for version. You know, it's like it's like a pros and cons list. Free version. Well, you'll have more ads than than content. Paid version, no ads. Literally, that's all. That's all the paid app has to have on its marketing, <laughs> on its on its on its pros list. It doesn't matter how many pros like the free version has lift, listed. That the paid for version just needs to say ad free, because they're they're doing it to be deliberately intrusive and deliberately annoying. Um, to encourage people and steer them towards the other option that's actually available, which is the paid-for one that gets rid of all of your interruptions. So, yeah, um, it, it's a wonderful world that we we live in. With YouTube, it's interesting. With the actual content um, and and ads. So I think a lot of the content creators on the platform, you actually have the option of whether or not you want to enable 
ads to interrupt your content. Yeah, that's true. That's correct. Yes. Um, so you can, so it, it's not mandatory. It's not just like, you know, well, whatever you put out, it's going to be interrupted. So I think a lot of, you know, the creators, you have that ability to actually determine whether or not that, that happens. So, um, you know, I think they would be encouraged like, like with all good, good companies, you know, the, the default setting <laughs> is, is not in the end user's favor. It's in the company's favor. So the default setting would be with that enabled um, and you'd have to, you know, go and disable it in order for, for that to happen. Yeah. Anyway, that was a nice little segue uh, following. Let's, let's come back, come back to the topic, Netflix, the NN fangs, um, seeing that 55 plus percent growth, which is pretty phenomenal still. Um, still in keeping with that S and P five hundred overall, uh, was it sixty yeah. percent? You said so. Yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah it's so it, it's not too far, not too far off. Um, it's it's competitors sort of. It has competitors, as I said. It's in a slightly more competitive market than Amazon is, for example. Um, <clears throat> so you have you know Prime Video, Disney Plus, YouTube. Um, have you ever heard of or used Hulu? I've heard of it, never used it. Okay. So I, I remember prior to its launch, it was one of these services. So you had to sort of, <clears throat> you could sign up and register your interest in advance of the release uh, yeah. of it. So this, this was back in the early 2000s as well. Um, so yeah, you would sign up because it, it didn't, it didn't just launch and then come out. So you, you knew what the content, what the platform was supposed to do, and then you'd sign up for it. And then eventually you'd, you know, be invited to join, uh, the, the Hulu party. Um, I think from, from the U S's point of view, it's, it was a much better experience than the UK experience which is why surprise, the, surprise. which is why the majority of people here will, will either never have heard of hulu makes sense mm. makes sense okay well that's netflix then um the next company we we essentially talked about one of their most famous products um which is which is google um owners of google search owners of youtube owners of a myriad of other companies, uh, products and services that lots of people use day in, day out. Um, their growth since the 23rd of March, would you say it's more or less than Netflix? It, it, it's an it's an interesting one. It's almost like Facebook, insofar as I wouldn't really know how to say it. I would say uh, more than Netflix. You'd be right to say that. Um, I would say less than Apple. You'd be right to say that. And I'll leave it at that. I'm too up. That that's it. 
I'm winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so just slightly above Netflix. So so 62.8% growth since the 23rd of March with a current market cap of 1.175 trillion US dollars. 1 point, 1 point. 1.175 trillion dollars. So that 175 denotes billions, by the way. <laughs> just, just for clarity. Yeah, just for clarity, just in case you missed it. Uh, what's a what's a trillion between friends? Here's a if you if you've ever if you've ever played Jeopardy. Question is what for five for five trillion? What can you buy? <laughs> Well, five trillion, you, you buy the top five, or you can't even, you, yeah, you could just about buy the five uh, top five uh, companies on the SP if you had five trillion, just about. That's just five companies. There you go. You can, you can buy, you can buy a set of fangs, is, is, is the answer to the, yeah. to, to this particular Jeopardy question, which is, okay. which is, which is insane. So, just for five companies. And, okay. Does 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 that does that indicate an, an over reliance on these companies um, in, in in the S and P? Yes and no. Pre, I think well, we we touched on those points. One. We touched on those points earlier, didn't we? Um, where yeah. I said sort of the that the the risk the risk is the the contraction. Um, it's it is not based on. It, it's based on a different set of parameters. It's based on slightly less tangible factors that can have an impact and drive down the values across a lot of the tech stocks, irrespective of them being directly involved um, with a singular, a singular fang uh, experiencing difficulties. But I mean, with Amazon and Apple, for me, I don't know about yourself, but for me, Amazon and Apple show the easiest continued growth trend for me out out of the fangs in terms of the prices. Like with Facebook, I can't, I don't know what would really govern its its trajectory. I'm I'm happy to look at Amazon yeah. and and Apple's to sort of say yes, okay, I can foresee <laughs> that 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 growth continuing for a period of time relatively unchecked and unchallenged which is the, the 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 part that makes it more phenomenal as you said with uh companies of that scale well it's quite interesting because i think they've all got something that in my eye would say they've still got a growth story and and a bit of an insurance story as well insofar as I think it would still be seen in my eyes as a bit of a hedge and will have relative strength to the other stocks in the same index. Um, so if we look at Facebook, so as soon as you think of Facebook, you think about the social network. But these days, when I think of Facebook, I don't think about Facebook these days. These days, I think about Instagram. When I think of Facebook, I actually think of Instagram now because 
I think that Facebook have only just started to unleash very slowly but surely the revenue generation opportunities from Instagram, right? Um, and I think that Instagram is going to be their big growth story of the next decade uh, to the point where I think Facebook, I mean, it's still going to be their their default cash cow. But I think that Instagram is their growth story because they, as it stands, have only really monetized their feed and their stories section, which is still relatively new compared to the standard Instagram offering. Well, there are rumors that Facebook want to challenge YouTube with regards to user-generated long-form video content on their IGTV platform, mm. and that they want to start monetizing users' content uh, in a similar way to YouTube. Now, I can see for very simple and obvious reasons why a lot of content creators will happily and swiftly migrate from YouTube to Instagram even if the pay rates are similar or slightly less. And the reason I say that is a very simple social networking flaw with YouTube. Because YouTube was never set up as a social network, so no. it's not right to call it a flaw. But I guess the difference, the, the, the main difference, or for me as an individual, one reason why I would want my content to be on Instagram over and above YouTube, if we just forget about monetization for a second, is you can generate buzz on Instagram to drive people to your video content a lot easier on Instagram than you would on YouTube. What you would on YouTube is very simple. And for that reason alone, I think a lot of people, as soon as they hear that there's monetization opportunities in IGTV, they're going to migrate because they get two bites of the cherry. They'll get an opportunity to, to make some money and they will be simultaneously growing their, their user following on, on Instagram, which is, from my perspective, um, a very sticky application. So, yeah. So, so I think I think that's what I would say would uh, power Facebook's growth, um, and that's their argument. For, for for Amazon, it's a very obvious and simple one, um, because not only do they sell their own product, not only do they enable independent sellers to sell their stuff. But Amazon are building out their own logistical empire around their business. They are owning the supply chains from beginning to end. Yeah. That in itself is equity, irrespective of even selling goods and using that as leverage for large share price gains. That alone, the fact that their ecosystem 
is pretty much owned end-to-end -end now, from point of order to product in your hand. Yeah? That in itself is big equity. And you can only see them deriving more and more efficiencies from their process. Mm. And you can see them selling... I, don't, I mean, even now, I'm struggling to think what they what they don't sell. Can you buy a car on Amazon? I mean, can you buy a car on Amazon? <laughs> Maybe that's the only thing you can't buy. Um, a, or a, a plane? A, a, a remote control ones you can, yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't think they necessarily have cars for sale. Uh, I, yeah. I've never looked. It's not a thing that I would have I would have considered. Well, um, an interesting thing that they that they're doing, and I and I and I don't know if it's actually just more for research purposes that that they're doing it, but they started you know a few years ago development on having a physical Amazon shopping experience. And they have, they have a few uh, stores that are available uh, in, in the US where um, you can actually go into, that you can actually, you know, go into and shop. Um, I haven't seen enough about the actual process, the types of things that you can buy but it's supposed to effectively mimic Amazon's online shopping experience, but in a physical retail environment, um, which would be interesting to see. And I, I don't really know why they were doing this other than to further attack um, Walmart's market share in the US. Because Walmart's, Walmart's value is not just solely based on uh, an, an e-commerce point of view. The actual um, physical buildings uh, play a large part in the revenue that they that they generate. So I I didn't really I don't really understand the purpose behind the the actual physical Amazon stores, but. I think there were plans to roll out more of them. So they were obviously refining some of the payment systems and so forth and how it, how it works. Um, because I, I don't think you actually pay for things in the traditional sense where like you go and you pick up something and then, you know, you scan your contest contactless cards to pay. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, I didn't really look at that before. It's just come back into my head as we we're talking yeah. that I remembered about these stores. Um, and I think another interesting area that, that they're involved with um, is the use of drones. Yeah. Um, going, going forward. And what their intention is is for that i think you know uh, is that the next evolutionary step of a home delivery service where you actually then um sort of increase your your delivery time scales 
uh, and remove the reliance on a fleet of drivers, you know, going to different addresses, you know, are they going to now introduce a, a mechanism that allows delivery by, by drone um, in, in a safe way? And how long would that sort of develop, technological development take to, to come into place so that it's a, a worthwhile practice? Yeah, I don't think they're too far away because I, I heard about trials, was it last year, even a year before when they first started trialing that. And I, I thought I heard that they were rolling out um, sort of drone deliveries uh, recently, like as part of their sort of standard. Was it part of their same day delivery offering? So if you if, if you thought Prime was good next day, well, imagine you order it in the morning and someone drops into your garden at night. I mean, it. We're already there, guys. I was gonna say, well, we're 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 already there with physical deliveries. I mean, I yeah. I, I did order some things around uh, eleven a.m. one day, and and it arrived by, I think, uh, six thirty, uh, that 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 evening, uh, which is pretty impressive. Going, I would really like to know where it got shipped from, um, <laughs> to <laughs> to arrive in that sort of time. But yeah, that that drone delivery would take it to that next level. Um, yeah, one out. I think I saw somewhere that they're an aspirational goal, and I, and I need to maybe paraphrase this: is they want to be able to do one hour delivery, <laughs> like one hour, like you order it and it's in your hand in an hour. I mean, you know. So long as it's not a washing machine or a fridge or something like that, uh, but that is an hour. Again, who would who would their competitors be? <laughs> they're, they're in their own lane. They're, to be they're, they're, there is there is nothing. So, as I said, in terms of the Fang so far, in terms of a a, a case for in, investment, um, you know. Amazon doesn't seem to have anything going against it that I can think of. I'm pretty sure someone yeah. may be able to uh, tell tell me something different, but uh, I can't really see it because the first thing someone will say, "Oh, there's a space for another competitor to come into the market." Uh, yeah, they're only what thirty years behind <laughs> uh, because. It's not just oh you can just set up a website and get other. No, it, it, it's the entire simplistic. It's the entire. It's the entire infrastructure and and business model. Yeah. And, and, and it's it's not like the, you know they they didn't they didn't get to where they are overnight. You know it, it's taken it's taken all this time to actually develop and 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 come forward. The only the only mechanisms that the only services that allow that that sort of out the gate ability to see significant growth in a in a competitive market would would be something like the the video on demand services of which Disney Plus we'll go backwards a little bit in the conversation uh, Disney Plus is the the primary example. Um, they were very, they were very Apple-esque in in their approach. Um, is my sort of analogy for this one. Insofar as 
Apple is, you know, Apple Apple phones in particular uh, are hailed and heralded as, you know, really good devices with a lot of innovative features. But a lot of people don't pay attention to the fact that a lot of the features that are really well regarded about Apple phones already existed on other devices. What what Apple does is, it, you know, it, it will look at an existing thing and improve on it ever so slightly and release it as a brand new feature for their very limited sort of phone ecosystem and people go ballistic for it and you know and that that fuels the uptake so disney plus by the same token um like love film taking it way back now that you know that dvd sort of uh, online service you ordered some dvds it got posted out you watch them, you post them back type thing. Then into to Netflix, you know, Hulu and all of the other on-demand services. They've they've done all of the groundwork, establishing establishing the, the, the patterns, the business models, and how to make it su- successful. Disney Plus, I mean, it's it's backed by an absolute behemoth. So a slightly different starting point, i.e., they have a lot of content at their fingertips from day one that was available but they've they didn't invent anything new here they just they've taken an an existing tried and tested model and ran with it and came out with their their own fortunately having content that would be quite well sought after um i mean everything marvel and star wars related um, being accessed, you know, under under one roof is going to only ever be successful out the gate. Yeah. Uh, Long term, I think, as you as you mentioned as well, we'd have to wait and see post post pandemic uh, what that that growth rate looks like. Will it continue to be that exponential expression or not? So, yeah. Now, the growth story for Apple, this one's a little bit tricky, if, if, if I'm going to be honest with you, because uh, I've fallen out of love with Apple, uh, as just, just personally, and, and, and their devices, mainly because their devices, their phones look the best, I don't think I can disagree with anyone on that, but in terms of pure specification, um, like you say, there are other devices out there. But the problem with Apple, or the benefit of Apple, depending on what side of the fence you sit on, is the fact that their brand is so powerful and strong, and some might even call it spiritual in, in, in many ways, because they have real disciples of their brand that will do anything for their brand and buy anything associated with their brand. I mean, Apple's credit card, I've, I've read it, probably one of the most successful credit card launches in, in the States in, in, in US history. Um, I've always said that if they were to start selling fridges, they'd probably have the fastest selling fridge in history. They, they, all they've got to do is put that logo on something and it would be the best selling X of Y. Like, that's just how powerful that brand is. Mm. And, you know, the 75 million iPhone devices that they have arcs their supplies to produce for them for this year i mean 
they certainly believed they were going to sell them, otherwise they wouldn't make them. And I, I don't know. I, I think because Apple devices are a default status symbol, it's the Balenciaga or it's the Moncler of, you know, personal devices, isn't it? So I think it's one of those things like certain high fashion designer brands that never go on sale. Yeah. And they always increase their prices. I think they're in that category. And I think that mainly because of that, and they were the, in many ways, they were the original premium phone manufacturer. And if you consider premium brands such as Louis Vuitton, uh, Chanel, Burberry, Gucci, they were all well established a very long time ago and they enjoy that first mover advantage that enables them to hold on to that esteem and that prestige. Mm-hmm. And I think Amazon is that for the tech world. It's like the Porsche of phones, you know, it's like we are the premium manufacturer and we will just stay here and no one's ever going to knock us off our perch. So that's the only story, to be honest with you, I can see with Apple because they have always kind of struggled to break into, or not break into, to have the same success as they have building physical devices than they have building or selling software. Mm. Well, uh, I think you're, you're, I agree with you, uh, you're right in so far as I think how they've elected to view themselves and price themselves is as, you know, one of the, the premium, uh, like a, a premium fashion house. Um, and I think they, they use, they use you know, little tricks to sort of main maintain this. And I think they do this even with some sort of throwaway products that they are never really expecting to ship many units of, but they would release a product that seems seemingly ridiculous and cost a ridiculous amount and would have everyone sort of saying, who on earth would spend that much money on that? Um, just for the sake of still perpetuating that vision of them being that, you know, premier sort of designer. So for instance, they, uh, so for the latest, the latest Mac Pro that came out, you can actually buy uh, a Mac Pro wheels kit. So if you've ever seen the new Mac Pros, it's a, yeah. it's a beautifully in- engineered, um, um, device. Um, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Um, but you can buy wheels for it. Now, given the size of it and so forth, I'm, I'm not sure why you'd really need wheels on it. I, I don't think it's something that you'd necessarily be, you know, wheeling around from place to place. But you can buy the Mac Pro wheels kit. Four wheels. Now, they're beautifully constructed wheels. As, as far as wheels for something that you're going to stick onto the bottom of a 
machine that you invariably will probably never actually move. But you can buy these four wheels for the low, low price of £699. <laughs> okay. For, for four wheels. <laughs> That, well, that, that makes that, a point for me. Right? So, as I said, they have the ability to create products that they genuinely know that they aren't going to sell a huge quantity of because they can do it. And it perpetuates, as I said, perpetuates the image of them being that premier brand. Because as ridiculous as seeing... 699 pounds for four little wheels that go into the bottom of a you know of, of the mac pro so as ridiculous as that price is you, you would look at it and still sort of say yeah it, it it's apple so of course it's so of course they cost 699 pounds like yeah. like it then makes sense and i think when you trick the public into you know thinking that then that's when you win so you know you know so you're not going to be shocked by the price of anything that subsequently comes out because it's just all in keeping with what they do yeah i mean i can probably change all the wheels on my car for that price not with a top line maybe you know a decent mid-range tire um I can change the four wheels on an actual car for the same price as these four little wheels that would go into the bottom of my of a Mac Pro if I owned one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just as a I'm case happy. in point. Sorry, I know I, I, yeah. I sort of in, went went all in on on that particular story, but I think the the setup was worth it for the the big reveal uh-huh. of the price. No, I mean, that makes my point for me. I mean, yeah, that's Apple. That is Apple. Four wheels on your Mac Pro for the same amount as actually changing wheels and tires probably on an actual car. <laughs> there we go. There you go. There we go. There we go. So the, the, the growth story for Netflix, I completely agree with you. It's, it's more challenging to see how they grow, especially as I'm sure you're aware that Netflix have been on a big drive to either produce their own content or they've been very generous in buying content from a range of content producers. Um, My question is, how long can they do that? Because it's um, exorbitantly expensive to do. um, And the margins are slim from what I understand. And I think Netflix in the last was it the last year certainly they've they've increased their 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 their, their pricing and it's not a uh, from memory I, I haven't actually looked at their P and L in in recent times but I don't recall their balance sheet being very uh, flush with cash um, so I think it's. I think I think it's I think it's good enough for them to maintain. Um, I think 
So there's there's a combination of things that obviously you know factor into the, the the change in model. I think a lot of people sort of saw it coming um, over the years because if you did a if you did a a year on year comparison of the number of titles available um, on on Netflix over let's say a ten year period, you you'd be able to track the actual decline in the number of titles actually available, particularly with like movies. So this gets wrapped up in, you know, the usual cycle of refreshing and adding new titles and so forth, because a lot of people probably operate, operate on the presumption that when you see, you know, 20 new titles coming this month or 60 new titles coming this month, um, I think you probably operate on the premise that it's, what's there now plus these additional 60 um, aside from prime for example which has you know their section of last chance to watch um, you know before they they they're no longer available um, but yeah so they had made the decision they they knew that um, original content was the the model that they were aiming for uh for the future so with that regard they started actually reducing the size of the uh catalog um which also led into the announcement of disney plus so with various marvel properties that they owned um certain things stopped and were removed from that that platform uh, subject to any other agreements that were already in place as to how long certain shows would actually be aired on there. Um, so a lot of things came to an abrupt end there. Then the push really came for their original content, um, a lot of which is actually pretty good, um, I must admit. I think the drive, the drive for original like movies, with you know sort of top Hollywood names, um, has probably driven some of the growth during during this period as well. Um, I can't say the quality of all of these titles uh, lives up to the you know star name that's associated with it. But they are they are trying. In terms of longevity of this particular model, uh, time will certainly tell. Um, but the 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 fact that a lot of them are pushing that particular model is indicative of the vision of the future um, for these platforms. So Disney Plus launched with with that same segment already in hand you know original content only available on on that platform amazon prime sorry prime video does exactly the same thing it has you know its original content with which it pushes um interestingly i read an article uh from the bbc around uh bbc news around uh the TV license and the the potential review that they're looking at 
changing the TV license traditional fee to a more video on demand subscription type service, um, which is quite a significant change to their business model. It, it will be the, the most significant change to their business model since the introduction of the TV license. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Netflix, Netflix, video streaming, it's a tough one. It, it, it's a tough one. Um, it's the one out of the five things that, interestingly, has had the slowest comparative growth between them. And to be honest with you, I think that that's right because, mm. I, yeah, there's, there's, there's not a big sell with Netflix in terms of why it should grow more than any others because there is no reason why it should outperform based on the cash heavy uh, operations uh, that it has and the and the, a lot slimmer margins which brings us on to Google now the problem with Google or the benefit of Google is that because they have so many brands and so many revenue streams that impact the daily lives of pretty much everybody in the Western world. Um, I mean, how many times do you use Google in a day? Um, I think the real question is how many times in a day does Google use you? Well, I mean, more than you use them, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I mean, that that's, that, that, that's a fact. I mean... Or maybe the question I should ask is, how many Google adverts do you see in a day? Um, ones that you request and ones that you don't. You yeah. know. Um, so they're, they're going to keep growing. Um, so there's no, no question there. There's no analysis needed on that one. They've just got too many uh, revenue streams that you can't get away from. So they're not going to struggle. Yeah. Because they get impressions by the billion per second, you know, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're a success story sort of in line with, with Amazon, really. So in terms of being singular, in terms yes. of your, your, your starting point uh, as well. So Amazon, as I previously said, around principally, you know, selling books, um, you know, as, as their first thing, Google started as a web browser. Um, the level of diversification of, of services and products and its integration into society um, is, is quite phenomenal, uh, again, for both Amazon and, and Google at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Google. So, so those, are, those are the five original fangs. Is it time for the bonus round? Yeah, we're going to go on to the, <laughs> for the, for the bonus round. So, to be honest, the acronym FANG needs to be expanded because there are two other companies that need to be associated with FANGs because you can't really have the conversation with FANGs without talking about these two other companies in, in, in my eyes. So, I'm going to 
ask you what company you think should be associated with the fangs that we've not spoken about today and you're going to get two tries uh two companies that we've not spoken about that should be mentioned alongside yeah. <clears throat> the fangs so can i can i have some narrowing questions are they tech related companies my response to that is what do you think <laughs> that's 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 not a that's not a response um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what do i think what do i think Uh, let's go out there and say Tesla. Yes, that is one of the two. Um, Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. Um, By the way, folks, that was a genuine guess. I had no idea we had a, a bonus round with, with two companies <laughs> that he's going to ask oh. for. So despite being really tired, uh, on on the money with that one, Tesla. Yeah, on the money, on the money. Um, I don't know what else to say about Tesla. Um, I could go on for ages about Tesla. Um, have a look on the flystroke.com website for uh, a blog a blog post that I wrote a couple of months ago about Tesla. I've, I've got I've got a sort of unrequited love. For, for Tesla, which started uh, about five years ago now, and it's still unrequited because I don't have one yet. Um, <laughs> so is that is that because you're wait, waiting for the uh, truck to be released? Nah, no, it, it's actually a logistical reason. Um, <laughs> get getting the requisite PowerPoint into my garage. There's there's a there's a, there's a particular complication with it which I can't bother to go into, but. Um, yeah, yeah, I've got a love affair with Tesla. Now, I hold no position in Tesla, annoyingly, frustratingly, painfully. <laughs> I don't. But for those of you lucky individuals that do, you've had quite a ride in the last six months, haven't you, you lucky people? Right? Since the 23rd of March, the Tesla's share price has increased by 390%. <laughs> so would I be right in saying that that has quintupled? Yeah, nearly quintupled. That's nearly a 400% gain. 5x people. Quint, quint, yeah, quintuple would be five five times. That is... Uh, since March. Since March. Goodness gracious me. <laughs> You know, the interesting thing uh, about about Tesla is is what's actually driving what's actually driving the the growth uh, from it, and no one knows anymore. Well, well, it, that that that's an interesting one, and it's not it's not going to be about the cars. And in mm -hmm. fact, I think um, Mr. Musk, which is a really Sounds really weird when you say that, um, <laughs> Mr. Hmm. Mr. 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 Musk. I think 
already knows that the the cars are going to be the 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 smaller proportion of the revenue generation for the different for Tesla and the different programs that he's involved with. Um, I think the, for me, correct. Let me know if you agree or disagree. Uh, and Anthony um, is the energy sector. Yeah. Um, and their battery packs and their, you know, the just everything energy related that they're getting involved with is driving, going to drive a lot of what their revenue is. So uh, very recently stateside, I saw some comparison about the cost, cost, uh, solar panel cost, <clears throat> excuse me, um, for a, a, a Tesla, you know, Tesla based service versus other other companies, and the the price that they refer to is in relation to that kilowatt hour generation price, and I think they've got gotten it close to a a something like a dollar per per kilowatt hour. Wow. which is a phenomenally low price and it doesn't really mean anything unless you actually study um, you know solar energy and, 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 and pricing and so forth but the, I think the next best price is close to or, or above three dollars per kilowatt hour so their models uh, have been quite successful and I think it could lead to another renaissance in the uptake of solar power, solar solar panels, and everything else. Tesla, in terms of power packs, storage units, and everything else. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't bet against Elon. Don't bet against him. <laughs> the guy's just a winner. Um, a couple of months ago, he gave me a few giggles, um, not because of his uh, ridiculous dancing in China when he uh, opened his uh, his first uh, China Tesla plant. Not that. It's because, uh, I'm not sure if you know, but there's a community online. Um, I forget what they call themselves now, but they try and release negative information about Tesla that try and bring down your share price basically and uh there's a whole community of people as you'd expect who who try and short uh tesla shares which is or those of you who don't know uh, trying to bet essentially that the share price will go down and uh, obviously if you're a person who's been trying to short tesla over the last <laughs> last year you've had an extremely painful time um elon musk uh basically said that if the price reached a certain point he would uh, he would start selling tesla short shorts on the tesla website <laughs> which he did do and guess what the short sold out <laughs> of course easy money marketing genius that guy he's just a genius um 
I just love what he does and how he operates and how he just keeps just beating the odds, literally, metaphorically, <laughs> and any other way you can consider. He, he's just doing it. So, yeah, love affair with Tesla. Um, those of you who have been holding Tesla shares for more than the last six months and you've held them, congratulations. I'm extremely jealous. Um, and to the, to the rest of you who tried to short Tesla, I feel sorry for you. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So, so that's Tesla. Oh, by the way, they're only worth... 410 billion which the last time i checked was larger than the market cap of every other major car manufacturer combined uh that's just a throwaway bit of information there so ridiculous <laughs> is, is that does that include all of the you know other subsidiary spacex and uh no i was just excluding that just tesla on its own is yeah. worth more then all of the other car manufacturers can't bind uh, based on market cap the last time I checked. So that includes Ford, that includes the Volkswagen Group. It's uh, it's bananas, um, the, the numbers that we're talking about. It's, uh, it's hard to get your head around um, considering that this company has only really been around properly for the last 10 years, but on paper for close to 20. And it's larger than companies that have been around for you know over a hundred years. So it's mind-boggling, mind-boggling. But yeah, indeed, it's Tesla. So one more guess for one company that we've not spoken about that should be associated with these fangs plus Tesla. Oh, I I don't know, I don't know. Um um. See, I'm, 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 I'm up, I'm up so far in, hmm. in, in, in the guessing. So I think I'll, I'll forfeit my guess. Okay. So this one, and it's quite interesting because when people talk of fangs, this company should have a place in that list just by default, but now, it just doesn't. Now you're making me want to feel like I want to guess, but I, I won't go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. This is a company that in many ways was the original tech company. Um, I guess because their key focus is on probably the corporate market, that when you think of tech, <laughs> you just don't think of them just because yeah. they don't provide you with fluffy services or applications that make you feel warm and fuzzy. Uh, they provide applications that remind you that for most of us, you have some sort of day job that requires you to use their <laughs> products or services. It's, it's, it's not out of pure choice or, or out of pure pleasure. It's because you, you need it to help you make a coin in one way or another. And, and that's Microsoft. Mm. Uh, in my eyes, the, the original tech company. Um, they've had a phenomenal run. Um, last couple of years they've been trying to transition from uh, a, a hardware and software sort of company to more of a cloud services collaboration provider um, data storage cloud storage um, but office 365 in my eyes um, 
it's the gift that keeps on giving. And <laughs> I think it's one of the best sort of corporate packages or productivity packages ever, really. And I know it sounds kind of fluffy, but the way it's been presented and its usability, not just for a small, medium business, but it's sort of ease of scalability to large multi-site organizations as well. It is a bit of a marvel and their licensing options, although they can be quite expensive, actually pound for pound, I think for what you get with their packages, I think it's, it's very good value across the board, to be honest. Um, their Microsoft Teams application uh, for me is probably one of the best tools ever created in, in many ways for business collaborations yeah uh, collaboration um it's just they've built on so many iterations and me i've got a bit of a sweet spot for microsoft teams uh as uh, a large part of my day job over the last what five seven years i've had a lot to do with unified communication tools um so i'm acutely aware of the transition from Microsoft link to Skype for business yeah and now Microsoft teams and I think Microsoft teams is built on all of the benefits of the previous iterations and clearly taking the best bits of all the other collaboration tools out there and just absolutely smashed it yeah into the most useful intuitive collaboration tool and communication tool going um, and I'm sure that although Zoom has kind of stolen the limelight on Wall Street and across the world with regards to its spontaneous popularity spurred on because of the pandemic, Microsoft have been quietly growing their share price as well um, over the last six months. And they've increased their share price by 71% mm. since. 23rd of March. And I think they, 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 they win on, in a corporate sense or from a corporate point of view um, in comparison to Zoom and its uptake and use. And I think another, another example of the timing, you know, working as well as it did just you know, as a consequence of the pandemic and that lockdown yep. and that, as I previously called it, that grand social experiment of uh, a mass percentage of the general public working from home all at once. So, yeah, I think, you know, when they transitioned away from, you know, the usual updates for like you know office you mentioned office 365 so the previous versions you know office yep. office 2007 and the later versions office 2013 or wherever they stopped um you know they they recognized that that model wasn't going to work in the long term i mean mostly because uh, a lot of people owned copies of the office suite without actually legitimately owning copies of the office suite. Right. So uh, as, as a means 
of of securing you know all of all of the revenue they they're entitled to you know change their model uh, under Sutia's guidance um and yeah we have the phenomenal success of Microsoft 36 Office 365 um which you know takes away any of the deficiencies of the previous iterations that came before it um let's see if uh trump has his way and microsoft does actually acquire tiktok um (laughs) which will give it a slightly different uh dimension in in a an arena that it didn't otherwise uh sort of really compete in i mean after their failed acquisition of facebook for for one billion that mr zuckerberg uh turned down all those years ago yeah well yeah that was so, a bad decision um uh, well yeah i think yeah i think mr zuckerberg is is more than happy with having turned that down although everyone else was sort of like are you crazy um well, one hundred and ten billion dollars later, I'm sure he's looking back thinking, "Hmm, no, no, no." There's a hundred and fifteen reasons why I think I've uh, <laughs> I made a, a better decision. Of know. course, yeah, yes, he was crazy, and he had his vision. So, and he stuck by it. Uh, that was, that was, that was the thing. But no, you know, Microsoft. Uh, if I, if I if I did guess, I, I may have thrown out Microsoft as as an option i think in the absence of not thinking of anything else that would have just been a the only sort of the company that we've spoken about before in the in in the past and the success of teams etc yeah well microsoft are also in a trillion dollar club so uh, they've got the same uh, market cap as amazon uh, as of 8 30 on the 2nd of september mm. so uh, 1.76 trillion us dollars yeah, and I think a lot, of the, a lot of the great part of their success is that the, their revenue generation is going to be from a lot of behind-the-scenes services. Yeah, if yeah. that makes yeah. sense. So when you, yeah. when we get into the cloud, you know, cloud computing side of you know server stuff and hosting and all of that corporate bit, that is that is all sort of excuse me, behind the scenes in, insofar as it's not like an iPhone or it's not a, a, an hour drone delivery from Amazon that, you know, that interacts with a everyday consumer on a large scale. So it's a lot of the behind the scenes bit. Um, they still have uh, hardware um, that is still producing some, some notably good uh, hardware products. Uh, in a very competitive hardware world, I'm not sure if you've seen the the new Surface Duo phone. Uh, I have not. No, no. I heard about it, but I've, I haven't actually looked at it. Hmm. Um. So yeah, there's there's the new uh, Duo, and. They've taken a slightly different approach to the technology. 
Um, so it's it's a dual screen, but in, unlike Samsung and and Motorola, who've come up with a, a singular actual folding screen, they have a sort of hinged product um, that allows them to create a product that unfolds to create a larger viewing experience, but with a hinge that allows you to open the device at any degree stop from zero to 180 degrees when you lay it flat, open it out flat. Okay. Um, so you can have it, you know, at 45 degrees, 30 degrees, 20 degrees, 10 degrees, and it, it, it stays in that position. Uh, that's, that's great. Um, it's super thin as well when you see it. I think it's, it's actually only fractionally thicker than the camera bump on the new Samsung Galaxy Note flagship, like Ultra phone. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that that phone. There's yeah, a there's yeah. a there's a massive camera bump for that that array of cameras on the back of it. Now the yeah. actual Microsoft. Surface Duo phone is about as thick as the actual camera bump <laughs> on the back of that note, um, which is which is ridiculous uh, how how thin it is. So it's a great product. It's a it's a first it's a first example um, coming out that that should be interesting. It's quite a premium price, obviously, as all of. Is it running on Android? Because uh, it, it is. It is yeah, actually running. Like it is actually running on Android. Um, they failed with their own OS, uh, which was the death of the Windows, the Windows mobile. OS. <laughs> Windows Phone, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, everything failed. You know, the 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 former the former king, uh, Black BlackBerry, uh, even they themselves ultimately capitulated and uh, went to Google for their. OS alternative. Yeah. But yeah, so Microsoft are doing, I think will continue to, to grow uh, and yeah. be successful, but they're like, but they're, they're like your bricks and mortar investment because they've been consistent for such a long period of, of time that like, you know, that's that, that's that Warren Buffett level of investment you know, where the averages are only going to be stacked in your favor. So because the trend has always moved in that, that, you know, positive uptick over time. So yeah. I'd say Microsoft is a relatively safe bet. Yeah. So of, of the five fangs plus the two, super bonus round companies what would be your top pick oh, that's a that's an interesting one um my top pick if i were to if i were only allowed to choose one which is, which is what this is you're only allowed to choose one <laughs> Even though the growth has been 
ridiculous this year, I would go with Tesla. My reasoning for that is Tesla now is probably comparable to Amazon in 2005, maybe even earlier. Um, Tesla is the only all-electric car manufacturer that has essentially sold itself as that and has been developing their technology and their ecosystem. So that's the main key thing that I think is unique about Tesla. So Tesla aren't the only company that said we, we want to make all electric cars and that's it. They're not the first, right? But they have been an organization that have considered that they don't just want to build attractive, iconic cars. They also want to build an ecosystem which will essentially make it easier for owners of their cars to charge their devices either at home or on the road, right? They are investing heavily in various types of renewable energy and they are not, you can tell that Tesla story won't just be the car. You know they, they're going to move into um, household solar uh, appliances. It's just obvious. Right? Oh, they, as I said, they, they have, they have massively um, in, in, in the States, the actual, yeah. uh, they're, they're, they're the most competitive, competitively priced uh, solar panel home yeah. option uh, in the States at the moment. Yeah. And then you've got, yeah, and then you've got, um, all of the other innovations that are going to come with the car itself. Um, you've got a, a founder who not only is fabulously rich, that's one thing, but fabulously inventive, right? And uber confident, part, uh, in the pun. And they've got someone who's not just going to let it go. Now, that combination right there and the fact that Tesla have absolutely disrupted, pardon that pun, um, the, the car industry. Because before Tesla really started making noise, from my perspective, I would say 2014, 2015, before Tesla really started making noise about, and the fact that that Model S was such an attractive looking car. I mean, prior to that Model S, electric cars just looked like, like I don't know, like these horrible blocks uh, that, that your kids will play with. It just, it just looked like a mess. But when the Model S came out, it looked good. It was ridiculously fast. And it was electric. It made people want to have it, right? That's equity. Then you've got the fact that Elon Musk himself as a CEO, as a founder, as, as an entrepreneur, has got cult status. Like, he, he's a legend in his own right. Yeah, and the fact that Tesla is at the forefront of a, basically a brand new industry. He's made the Mercedes of this world, the Porsche of this world. Um, 
the Volkswagens as well, have to fast track their own development of electric cars yeah. without the accompanying ecosystem. This is why Tesla have played the long game from day one. Um, a lots of people mock them for not being able to get their cars out on time or to be profitable. But I think people are now starting to notice that Elon has been playing the long game from day one. And actually, now that people are starting to see the long game come into fruition now, that's why the shares are going pro uh, parabolic. Because actually, he's not going to lose. He can't lose right now. Even if Mercedes and BMW release 10 electric car models next year, guess what? You've got an immediate issue with, with, with those manufacturers, right? What's the, what's the first? When you're out and about, there's nowhere to charge them. Hmm. Or, more specifically, there's nowhere to charge them as quickly as you could charge up a Tesla because there aren't any superchargers out there. They are not investing on the infrastructure to enable people to charge their cars fast. So even if they, they do create cars that, oh, this one has a 500-mile range and this one's got a 600-mile range, the problem is, is that if you're out and about and you're, you're driving from London to Scotland, the problem is, is that there's going to come a point where you're actually going to be stuck-stuck, yeah? yeah? Because you're going to have to sit and maybe park in a hotel for a day for your car to charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? So what I'm saying is it's, it's not going to be cheap for any manufacturer or any competitor to try and emulate the ecosystem that Elon has already built, it's too long. It's just too long, too capital intensive. It's going to be very difficult for people to level up. That's why Mr. Dyson, um, who was in the early stages of building his own electric car, which he yeah. produced that in Singapore. Yeah. Why he wasn't planning to produce it in the UK is a question you could only ask him. Um, he's obviously canned that project because of COVID, but actually, personally, um, from a bird's eye point of view, I don't think he would have been able to compete with Tesla anyway. I'm just pulling it out of there. No matter how great the car would have been. Well, it, it, it's an interesting one for me because I would... I can see it turning into the similar situation as we have with propriety, proprietary charging cables versus a universal standard. So Tesla will either, and, 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 and the other companies won't because it would benefit Tesla more than anything else. but. Tesla could license it, it's its port, it's you know it, it's charging charging capability for quite an obscene sort of fee, which a lot of the manufacturers wouldn't want to subscribe to, or there could be a universal agreed charging standard that a consortium of car manufacturers sort of subscribe to and invest in collaboratively to develop an, an ecosystem and, and infrastructure that facilitates a faster, faster charging points uh, across the country. 
but time will tell what what ultimately happens um, with that. But battery tech, battery technology um, development is going to play quite a crucial factor in the electric car evolution. So obviously, the the buy in the buy in at the moment is limited. You know, I would say by and large because of because of the the range um, at the moment. So that battery tech development to get you know more significant ranges out of a single charge um, will continue. Obviously, it continues all of the time. We keep hearing every so often about the the next the next big battery tech tech that will revolutionise the 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 industry either in terms of uh, capacity or charging speed. Yeah, I think there was an uh, I read an article last month around the new battery tech that moved away from the traditional lithium model. It does have some lithium in it, but there's a more liquid based battery foundation that allowed for massively faster charging times over the fastest lithium charge. We're talking minutes for, for, yeah, we're talking minutes for a sort of car sized battery uh, mm. charging. So they're, 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 they're always, you know, that, that, that arm of the industry, battery tech, you know, both big and small, will be something that actually drives the, the industry forward. I think BMW and Porsche and everyone else, again, late late to the party. Uh, my view, the best the best looking electric cars still remains the BMW i8. Um, uh, in, my, in, in my opinion, uh, Tesla hasn't released anything that's as good looking as that car. Um, agreed, agreed. But but in terms of real world availability. I was just about to say that because right. not even real world availability, but an i8 is supposed to be an, an electric or hybrid uh, hybrid supercar, right? That, that, that's what it was supposed to be. It's like, let's make a supercar that's actually basically electric. Yeah. So, so that ticks the box. Like, there is no better looking electric super Well, the Porsche Taycan. Ooh, that's a very sexy car. It is. Um, the i8 is still better looking, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, agreed. 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 But if you're saying, okay, let's look at the supercar category, i8 wins hands down. But if we talk about everyday saloon, I mean. Okay, the, the i3 doesn't count. One, it's not a saloon. Oh, goodness me. The <laughs> i3, what is that? One, it's not a saloon. And, and, and two... It's like let, a five-seater bus. Let's, let's, let's forget that, that it exists. Um, so, again, we have to remember that these, are, these were BMW's first foray into it. So these, are, these were their experiments. Um, I don't think they were ever intended on being like their... The, the direction that they're going to travel in 
ultimately. They just came up with two wildly different, <laughs> you know, con- concepts just to just to test and see the reactions. Mm. But interesting times. Okay, so you back Tesla. Yeah, I back Tesla. I think I back. And you? So who do you who do you pick out the out of the list of fans plus Microsoft and Tesla? Uh, I, could, I could tell you who I wouldn't pick. Um, who would I pick? I would pick. I think I said Amazon in the beginning. Probably stick with Amazon. Yeah, yeah. That that would be my second second choice, I reckon. Hmm. Um, only because yeah, they're not going anywhere, and it's still a growth stock. <laughs> At one point seven trillion dollars, it's still a growth stock. Um, it doesn't even make sense to even say that. It doesn't even make sense. But yeah, at $1.7 trillion, I'm going to go on record to say Amazon is still a growth stock. It's not a value stock, it's a growth stock. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's my pick. That's my pick. Good choice. Well, on that bombshell, uh, I think I think we've done a good episode here. Yes, yes. Not, not quite Lord of the Rings length, but close enough close enough well Stephen as always thank you very much sir as as usual it's been a pleasure as ever as always yeah look forward to the next one indeed <laughs>